Hey, you made it. There are so many things going on in the world today. You need to celebrate the fact that you took a moment to stop and listen to the Word of God through this Heavenly Vision podcast. I'm sure God's going to speak to you in a way that will bless you. So let's get into it. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. So listen, real quickly, for the past couple of weeks in our Standard of Living series, we've been navigating how standards are to be set in our everyday lives. And uh, Dr. Todd, one of the things that I'm learning throughout this process is that the standards that impact us the most are the standards we are willing to submit to, not just talk about. Uh, if y'all like me, um, I, I master the art, Victoria, of lip service, of lip service. However, I'm learning that if you are expecting standards to change your environment, to change your social circles, to change your life as a whole, it requires you submitting your whole world to the standards that can cause change. This is bigger than just saying, God, you can change this, but let me, let me hold on to this. Right? You, you can deal with this, but I'm going to hold on to this. If you're expecting your whole world to change, brother, then you're going to have to be willing to submit your whole world to the process of change. That is the standard that God has set through his, his word. Now, I don't know if you guys ever had the honor and privilege to stop uh, by the Taylor home, but I honor the Taylor home. I honor them. And the reason why I honor them is because never have I seen a family commit to a covenant agreement where the whole family subscribes to a document as an outward sign of an inward covet to each other. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Jerry, I realize that this covenant that they have uh, in their entrance is not a sign of dictatorship. But the reason why they have this document, it is a tool that they have used to fortify the alignment of the family and the house, watch this, to ensure cohesion. To make sure they remain a cohesive unit. If there's ever a debate, an argument, they can go to the agreement and say, this is what we committed to. Are y'all with me? Now, here is the lesson here. I'm learning that if you're looking for unity in your social circles, in your family, in your marriages, uh, at your jobs, if you're looking for unity, then you're going to have to consider everyone who's involved and ask if they're willing to commit to, abide by, and submit to the same standards. The reason why there's a dichotomy in our social circles is because we're connected with people who are not willing to submit to the same standards. We're affectionate towards each other, but we have different viewpoints on the standards that lead to change. So for years, you can be with the same person expecting for change, but if their perspective is different than yours, and if it doesn't line with God's ability to cause change, then you're going to just waste years and years and years for the sake of commonality. How many of us are friends with people that have not led to change, but we stomach their presence just because we have common ground? For the sake of commonality, we will justify certain people, and we know they know good. Now, now, now this is not an external approach because this is not about haters or, or your scapegoats. But I believe that the same standards that we need to set for our social circles must also be imputed on our personal beings. Our holistic life, your personal being. Consider, if you 
you're expecting your whole being to be on the same page. Uh, since when I'm talking about whole being, I'm talking about your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. If you're expecting your whole being to be on the same page, then it will require a holistic standard of living that impacts your total self. What, what does that mean, Michael? That means many of us master the ability to set standards for our spirit, but negate the responsibility towards our heart and mind. So you know how to pray when it's time to pray. You know how to open the Bible when it's time to open the Bible, but you do it with an attitude. You know what to do, but your mind is conflicted to the degree where we could be in mid-worship, but your mind is outside the doors merely because your mind is not submitted to the standards of the house. From the top to the bottom, all of us can be found a victim if we are not willing to set standards over our total beings. Does this make sense to anybody? Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. The Bible says you must love the Lord God with all of your heart with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Jesus implies in the text that your devotion to God is found in your love for God. Watch this. Spread throughout your heart, spread throughout your mind, and spread throughout your soul. Two weeks ago, our dear Pastor Kina talked about the heart. In my opinion, I learned that the heart is the place where our devotion is rendered. Our devotion is rendered. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. The heart is the place where standards you find. You, the heart is the place where the standards of God you find devotion to. You find value in. They're rendered from your heart. Are y'all with me? Last week, Dr. Todd talked about the mindset. Everyone say mindset. I'm learning that the mindset is the place where thoughts, imaginations, your knowledge and experiences, watch this, shape how standards are played out. So while my heart teaches me devotion, my mind teaches me what that looks like. So I may have the conviction of what standards I need to change to, but if I don't see it through my mind, I don't know how to do it. And I'll come bitter, I'll come confused and conflicted because I don't have a picture of how to play out that standard in my life. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 5, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus. Consider the text, the standard of unity through humility is dependent on your submission to the standard set by Jesus Christ, not by you. So if you and I are expected to be unified, if you and I are expected to be humble, then that standard must be played out, not in how we see it, but how Jesus saw it. So Dr. Todd dealt with the mind, and Pastor Kena dealt with the heart. It only is fitting that we today deal with the soul. In the Greek, it's suke, the seat of your will and emotions. If I can real quickly paint a picture, y'all still with me? Let me paint this picture. The soul is the place where your devotion and intellect meet to influence the attitude towards whatever standards you want to commit to. I said the soul is the place where your devotion, the place where I get the heart transplant and surgery, and my intellect, my memories, my ideals meet together 
to influence my attitude. Why is this important? Because many of you have an understanding of what standards are supposed to look like. And many of you have a devotion to those standards while you keep coming to church. But the problem is, I said before, you have the wrong attitude towards them. I don't agree with them so they won't be seen in my everyday life. I don't like what they look like so I will not play them out even though I know what they look like. Now this is the plight of disobedience, not ignorance. See, some of you, you need to get it together because the greater judgment is not ignorance, a lack of understanding. The greater judgment is disobedience. I don't want to because I just don't want to. Does this make sense to anybody? So, so, so let's, let's, let's deal with this. My, my time is running. Um, if this was a, a plane ride, um, then um, normally the pilot would tell you where we're going to land first and then give you how much time it takes to get there. So our text reference today will be our landing place. Is that okay? All right. Our landing place, but this is not our exegetical journey. But, but, but I want to encourage you about where we're going to land so that if by chance you get sad along the way, you know where we're supposed to end up. Is that, is that okay? All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2. Paul says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affections on things above, not on the earth. Very briefly, as the Lord allows, I'm going to teach from the subject as we continue our standard of living series, the plight of emotional compromise. The plight of emotional compromise. Are y'all still with me? So, so, so here it is. Um, DeMarcus, I am under the assumption by the prompting of the Holy Spirit that many of us are on the cusp of a major breakthrough in opportunity. I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm not saying that for emotional rise. But I believe in my heart and soul that many of us are on the cusp of a major breakthrough in opportunity. Many of you need to understand that you are not lacking favor. You are not lacking resources. You are not lacking tools. And you are not lacking blessings of any sort. For many of us in this room, the conflict is that God is not convinced that you can handle the responsibility of the doors of opportunities because of the plight of emotional compromise. If God was to bring the opportunity to you prematurely, you would abuse it because you care more about how you feel than what the opportunity requires of you. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper and say this. God doesn't want to fire anybody. Do you all agree? He don't want to fire anybody. However, if God is not convinced, Royce, that you're ready at this level, he'll declare you're unfit for duty before giving you the assignment. And for someone in this room, most of you think it's rejection or denial. When God is actually saying it's prematurely, you're unfit. Or in other words, you're just not ready yet. That is offensive, which leads to frustration, bitterness, anger, emotional compromise. 
The attack was not the closed door. The attack was the reaction to the closed door. The attack is not the closed door. The attack was the reaction to the closed door. As a matter of fact, for some of you, the reason why you've lived at closed doors is because God is trying to manifest what's been in there all along. Not manifest, uproot. At the closed door, I uproot that anger. At the closed door, I uproot that bitterness. At the closed door, I uproot that depression. And help you to understand it's not their fault. It is how you are reacting. Quick insert. There's a difference between reacting and responding. Y'all agree? Josh, it plays like this. Reaction is if you stepped on my big toe, I would give you what I think you deserve for stepping on my big toe. But because I'm a Christian, if you stepped on my big toe, my response is, despite what I think you deserve, I will respond based on who I am, not what you did to me. For anything. That's just, that's just the small case. If you took my parking spot, Josh, I could react, but I respond because of who I am. Because watch this, I care about who I am than trying to win this moment. This makes sense to anybody. So the plight for many of us is dealing with this emotional compromise. So let's, now we're on the midst of our journey. Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. Very common story, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, watch this, is one of the most widely shared parables of Jesus. It draws us to find value in Jesus being our great shepherd. The Bible teaches that this is where we learn that Jesus would leave his 99 just to save one. Luke chapter 15, Jesus brings us to see the love of a father put on display for two sons. First, we emphasize on the younger son. His younger son's ambition and lust for more than what he had draws him to leave home and recklessly spend his inheritance on loose living. The Bible says that he eventually finds himself lost with nothing, contemplating what to do with himself. After hitting rock bottom, he finds hope that his father would be merciful enough to take him back. Beautiful idea. And this beautiful idea, Justin, draws him back home, finding restoration and renewal. Quick pause. If you are in this room, and you are hungry and in dire need of renewal, restoration, or resurrection, I want to encourage you in this moment, you too can find the refreshing that you need. You too can find the restoration that you need. You too can find the resurrection that you need when you find yourself back into the arms of the Father. I just want to take the time to encourage someone. If you ever find yourself losing your way, it's safe to say that you can find your way when you make your way back into the arms of the Father. Real quick, is anyone can testify that you can find your way when you can just make your way back into the arms of the Father? Quick moment, can someone give God praise because we've got a daddy who's got arms who's willing to embrace his children no matter how far they've journeyed. While it's beautiful to see 
um, for ourselves in the shadow of the younger son, today's focus is that we find ourselves in the shadow of the older son. Rodney, for the older son, does the, the, the issue, the story doesn't just highlight on one son, but we discover a necessary conflict through the eyes of the older son. Watch this. The younger son represents an immature young boy. Y'all see that? He, he represents someone who's not a good steward over good stuff. Uh, he's got to do some more growing up. That's what they used to tell me. You need to do some more growing up, boy. You, you ain't there yet. However, if we take a look at the older son, we see a different, different nature. The older son, the older son uh, represents the faithful and steadfast. The older son represents the devoted and the consistent. The older son uh, represents um, one who is obedient without talk back. He is committed without question. Rodney, but here's the challenge. We find that the one time the older son has a problem, the one time we find a crack in his armor, the one time we find this Superman of a son has his own kryptonite is when the younger son or younger brother makes his way back home, watch this, from his failed journey. When the younger son comes home, the father doesn't ridicule him. The, younger, the, the father doesn't scold him. The father doesn't condemn him for losing or wasting everything he was given. Instead, Dr. Todd, the father is overjoyed with his comeback without no letback. The Bible says that he pulls out the fatted calf. The Bible says he pulls out his own robe and clothes his younger son. And the Bible says takes his ring and puts it on his son's finger. Now the older son. The older son must have been working overtime in the field. Bible says he comes from the field, comes to his daddy's house. He sees a celebration. Y'all with me? He sees a celebration. A servant comes to the older son and says, uh, we're celebrating because your younger brother made it home. He's safe and sound. But the problem is, he lost everything that was given to him. Let me give you a couple of pros. Pro, the older brother gets his younger brother back. That's a pro. The older brother gets help on the field. The younger brother must have been an experienced worker. He knows the work. That's a pro. I got some more help. And here it is, another pro. The older brother gets the opportunity to share in the joy with his family. It's party time. I don't know if y'all know my wife's personality, but if you throw in a party, she'll be there without, without hesitation. That's her. That's, that's it. She ready to turn up. That's it. Hey, where are you going? Some party, I don't know. Some, you know they... So, Danielle, watch this. There's a lot of pros for this older son. There's a lot of positives, but what was the older son's response? He responds with anger. He's indignant. The Bible says he couldn't enjoy the celebration. He couldn't appreciate the return of his brother. Instead, he allows his attitude to take precedence over the occasion of his family. Here is the bridge for someone in this room, Dwayne. Many of us are allowing our attitudes to take precedence over the opportunities made available to you. This is not a lack of what you have access to. This is not a lack of blessings. This is not a lack of favor. The problem is we are allowing our attitude, our emotional compromise to take precedence over everything God is trying to pour out to us. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to give us four observations on how to deal with emotional compromise. Is that okay? Number one, emotional compromise 
will steal your joy. Emotional compromise will steal your joy. Verse number 28, the Bible says when the older son hears about his younger brother, he becomes angry. Here's my question to all of you. Is there anyone in this room who can testify that you've ever had your joy stripped away? Because, watch this, someone else was being celebrated more than you, and you believed they deserved less. Thank you for the double. L listen, I I'm not talking about you being petty. I'm not talking about you being a spoiled brat. I'm talking about you've been faithful. You've been obedient. You've been consistent. You've been unquestionably devoted, and yet you see, watch this, in someone else's flaw, they seem to get more celebration than you have in your faithfulness. Wow. Let, let's, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it real quick. Bishop, I know groups of people who have slacked in their efforts to remain faithful over their responsibilities because they've seen others get celebrated in their shortcomings while they themselves seem to be tolerated in their consistency. Why should I keep praying if the more I keep praying, someone getting more than what I'm getting? Why do I got to keep working hard when I'm working hard for both of us and they're the ones up for the next promotion? Why should I be faithful and try to be uh, uh, strong as a single person and someone, I know they've been messing around and their marriage date is next week. Talk back to me. Y'all with me? It is a real place when our faithfulness is attacked because someone in their flaw and their shortcomings seem to get more than us. And the older son is angry because when he looks in the house, he sees his younger brother back. But where this fool been? squandered all my daddy's money and y'all over here celebrating this fool? This person called off at least 10 times this week and y'all still giving them a vacation day and concerning when they get back that you want them to be the supervisor next in line and I'm over here taking my slack and your slack? So, so, so watch this. I need our context of the story. Because watch this. In the eyes of the father, this is bigger than what was right and what was wrong. Here's a key point. Redemption is always a priority to God over retribution. God doesn't look at what you deserve. He looks at the opportunity of redemption. Because if you really wanted God to make it, uh, 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 to make it um, uh, uh, together, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to make it equal, then when God looks at you and them, you deserve nothing. If we really want to make it equal, both of us deserve jack. But here's the, here's the point. If there is an opportunity for redemption... If there was an opportunity for reconciliation, if there was an opportunity for resurrection, then God will cross the universe for their sake and yours if you were in that position too. So, so, so while many of us are convinced that certain people deserve less, 
we need to understand that even though you feel the way you feel, you need to come back and understand that there's a bigger picture in mind. Instead of feeding in your feelings, we got to learn to feed our reason for being faithful. At the end of the day, we don't always feel like being the faithful son. But for the sake of devotion to the Father, for the sake of our commitment to our calling, we have to be willing to choose faithfulness over compromised emotions because we believe being faithful is worth fighting for. Is anyone in this room believe being faithful is worth fighting for? This is bigger than what they deserve. But I understand that where I am is worth fighting for. But you got to be careful because emotional compromise will steal your joy. Number two, emotional compromise will isolate you from those who love you. Emotional compromise will isolate you from those who love you. Verse 28, the older son is angry, and where is he? He remains outside. Listen, family, the worst thing you can do when you have been compromised emotionally is to adopt the words of the poet Tupac, it's you against the world. No, wait, wait, wait. 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 What if it's not the world against you, but what if it's you against you? Because the world could only reflect what you put in. Many of us justify attitudes merely because we didn't get what we wanted. And as a result, watch this, we put on pity parties for ourselves hoping somebody sees us. Can, can I help somebody in this room? Everybody sees you in your pity party but don't get pissed off if they don't want to go to your party. They see you. But don't get mad if they don't want to be a part of it. Mama Padaway, some of us cannot afford to stay at pity parties because we've been fighting against the spirit of heaviness. Now, I, I want to I take a moment to heal someone real quickly. Spiritual leadership will always be here for you. But you have to understand that that same spirit trying to justify you in your issue is also trying to hit them. So do not misinterpret their lack of attendance to your pity party for people not loving you. Do not misinterpret the lack of attendance to your pity party for people not loving you. Watch this. Leadership. They love you, but for the sake of their health, they may have to love you from a distance. Or in this case, inside the house. He ain't gonna look for you. Come on. Come on. He ain't look at you. People still love you, but watch this. Real love shouldn't have a distance. Real love should be just as potent from afar as it is from close. 
Anybody know some people who can love you or you can love them even from a distance? At least I love you, sis. At least I got you, sis. At least I'm praying for you, sis. Champ, I know God got you. Champ, I'm telling you, I see you in the hospital, but no, I love you, bro. I got your back. I, I know it's hard, but I'm praying for you. I got you, champ. I know you don't see me, champ, but I'm praying for you. I know you don't see me, Elise, but I'm praying for you. Here I am. I'm still praying for you. And my love did not change just because my proximity did. So watch this. You're having a pity party. Elder Tamiko, we're having a pity party. And we're looking for people to join. Everybody's still celebrating the one Damon who don't deserve it. I'm over here pouting, stomping loud. I know y'all hear me. Baby, I know you see me. I know you see me. Come on. Woe is me. Okay. I'll just be out here. Waiting for somebody more to care. Y'all know some people? <laughs> However, here's the full context. It's wonderful to know that no matter who doesn't show up to your pity party, there is a father who is willing there is a father who is willing to stomach your selfishness for the sake of healing you from your pain. Oh, I said we all have access to a father who will stomach our selfishness for the sake of healing you from your pain. But watch his method. The father comes outside for the older son for one reason. His original plan, Josh, is not to debate with his older son. His original plan was not to argue and make sense of why he felt the way he felt. But the father came outside for one reason, to tell the son to come back inside and take your rightful place. Mo, the father came outside to basically say, you don't belong outside. Hear me, family. Don't allow how you feel to cause you to forget where you belong. Because sometimes your emotions will push you away from people who love you the most. So now I need you to minister to your neighbor. Grab your neighbor tight. Don't hurt them, but grab them tight and look at them and tell them, you don't belong outside by yourself. Okay, that was one neighbor. Now grab somebody else. Grab somebody else and tell them, you don't belong outside by yourself. Okay, let's change proximity. Can someone get up out their seat and find somebody else and tell them, you don't belong outside by yourself? Oh, I feel a ministering moment in this place. Come on, find another person and tell them, you don't belong outside by yourself. For God sent me on assignment to let you know that you're not by yourself. 
You don't belong by yourself. Stop staying outside. Come inside the house and take your rightful place. Take your rightful place. Grab one more neighbor and tell them you don't belong outside. Stop justifying your emotions and come back inside the house because we want to celebrate you too. Find one more neighbor and tell, find one more neighbor and tell, find one more neighbor and tell them you don't belong by yourself. You're not alone, son. You're not supposed to be by yourself. For someone in this room, hear me. If you are so addicted to the pity party, at least put a time limit on it. From this day forth, for everyone in this room who have no choice but to have at least one pity party a week, start having a 30-second pity party and get your butt back inside the house. If, Mama, if you really need it, 30 seconds, 29, 28, 27, I can't count. Five, four, I'm done. One, I'm ready to come back home. Come on. Everyone say 30 second pity party. We got work to do. My 35. You, you, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful, sis. Because emotional compromise will isolate you from those who love you the most. I got two more and I got to take my seat. Number three. This one, okay. Okay. Emotional compromise, number three. This, this, this one's going to hurt. Emotional compromise will create hostility between you and the people who father you and mentor you. Emotional compromise will create hostility between you and the people who father you and mentor you. Let me walk very slow here. God assigns men and women to father you and mentor you. They are assigned for you, not against you. It is interesting how in our sober minds, we know who has our best interests at hearts. However, you have to be careful in allowing how you feel to blind you from seeing and forgetting who was really here for you. It's okay to not agree with certain people say. It's okay to not agree with what they did. But do not allow your disagreement from misinterpreting their loyalty. said be careful in allowing your disagreements from misinterpreting people's loyalty to you some of us have pushed a lot of people away from our lives because we disagree with what they said or did 
assuming what they said or did was the message of who they were. No. Your emotional compromise, watch this, can blind you from misinterpreting a disagreement from loyalty. Verse 28, 29. The older son finds himself creating a hostile situation merely because he felt he wasn't treated fairly. The son is hurt. He's bothered. He feels unappreciated because his brother got more and he did less. Now, from the standpoint, if by chance you are a Christian, a son of the father, y'all talk about me real quickly. How many self-proclaimed orphans can you imagine in the church? All there because we think God cares less about us because we see others getting stuff we ain't getting. Self-proclaimed orphans because of comparison. We look at Rodney and they see the flourishing of their family. And we say, he don't deserve it, but I do. We look at each other in our bank accounts and we look at someone's hair and how beautiful they look. And they say, they don't deserve it but I do. Some of you have lived in the season where you've seen others get married while you're stuck single and you feel like they didn't deserve it, but you do. Many of you have seen others get promoted while you constantly suffer with discrepancies on your own paycheck and you feel like you deserve it, but they don't. Some of us, uh, uh, we see people who are crowded by kids and we're left wondering where is our one and you feel like they didn't deserve it, but you do. Some of you have seen others thrive in the miraculous while you're left trying to survive the mundane and you feel like they don't deserve it, but you do. Some of you have seen others walk the stage and graduate with their second master's degree while you're frustrated trying to feel, uh, trying, to, trying to retake a class in your second year and you feel like they didn't deserve it, but you do. And Miles, while every single one of us has a scenario of believing that we deserve more and they deserve less. I need you to understand something. That when God sees them, he is just as concerned with you. Matthew says, if God cares about the blades of grass, if he cares about the fish in the sea, if he cares about the birds in the air, and he cares about you more than them, what makes you think he won't take care of you? When God sees them, he sees you too. But you have to be careful of allowing emotional compromise to create hostility between you and the people who father you and mentor you. Here's my last point, and I'm going to move on. Number four, are y'all still with me? Emotions, my last one. My emotional compromise will blind you from the truth, pushing you to justify selfish ideas. I said emotional compromise will push you from the truth and justify selfish ideas. Here's our verse, verse number 29. He answers to his father, listen, all these years I've worked like a slave for you. I've, I've never disobeyed a command of yours. Yet you've never given me so much as a young goat for a festival so I could celebrate with my friends. But, but this son of yours, this little, this, this son of yours has spent your money on prostitutes. And when he came back, you killed the fatted calf for him. 
hostile. And he creates a selfish ideal in this moment. And I got to say this. What this brother does, he does not argue a lie. What he argued, my brother, was true. However, the brother, understand the younger brother, was not given a fatted calf for convenience. The younger brother was not given the robe for convenience or a ring for convenience. Damien, the reason why the younger brother gets this treatment is because they all thought the younger brother was dead. So I can almost imagine that the father is not emotional in this moment because, number one, why would you want me to treat you like a dead boy? He once was dead, but now he's alive. Our response is to celebrate who was dead and is alive. You want to complain about not having a goat or not having a fatted calf, you're not dead. You are very much alive. My God. You forgot you still you want the same treatment as a dead man? You would rather downgrade your value for the sake of comparing yourself to somebody who was once dead? And someone in this room I hear God saying is, don't you dare downgrade your self-worth just because they got a man and you don't. Don't you dare downgrade your worth because somebody's working and you're not. Number one, he was considered dead. And number two, the father looks at his older son and says, wait a minute. Have you forgotten you're my son? That means everything that I have is also yours. So in other words, he was saying is, Royce, if you really want a calf, go get it your dang old self. Bishop said, yeah, you attended to the field. You know how many calves we got. Bishop said a while back, he said about tithing. He says, here's the thing about the storehouse. We tithe for a portion, but when you understand who you are, you ain't got to ask for a portion. You got access to the storehouse. So for someone in this room, here is the main, uh, the, main, the main point of this message. You are justifying your jealousy and emotional compromise because you forgot who you are. You are angry at father figures. You're angry at brothers and sisters because they getting what you ain't getting they getting treated something you ain't getting treated and you neglecting and misunderstanding that you're a son that you're a daughter of the house so in essence if I was back in the text I would have told the man young brother have you forgotten you're a prince how about you go back into your pocket and pull out your own key go back to the palace and remind yourself that you're a son you got your own key go get it yourself For someone in this room, you have wasted years jealous over people when God says you got the key in your own pocket. The only difference is that God will give you what you need before he gives you what you want. Stop drowning. Stop drowning in depression because you're not getting what you want. Stop drowning in oppression and suicide because you're not getting what you want. Remind yourself who you are. 
and understand that God gave you keys to get what you need. Can y'all stand up real quickly, real quickly? And please don't miss this point. I'm driving here. Please don't miss this point. I'm trying to drive here. You are justifying your emotional compromise because you are forgetting who you are. When I was really trying to invest in this, bro, I realized, man, I was the same way. I, I thought I fought with comparison. Um, I don't know if y'all feel the same way. Sometimes Instagram can be a problem. I'm tell you why. Because the, the more time I spend on Instagram, uh, the more I begin to see less of myself. Right? They're, they're creating images, and you lose your identity. What if by chance the older son looked at his younger brother like we do on Instagram? We didn't like the post. We didn't comment. We actually got off on Instagram because we were so bothered by the image. And as a result, we lost our identity. I believe that in order to set the right standards in your life, not only you need the heart transplant and surgery, not only you need to revisit the patterns of how they're played in your mind, but you also need to consider the seat of your will and emotions and check your attitudes towards the favor God already gave you. There is someone in this room, you know how to pray. You know how to give. You know how to worship. You know how to hug people. You know how to greet Bishop and Lady Kay. You know the culture of the church. But internally, you are fighting with anger and frustration because you feel as though you don't measure up to what you see God giving others. And it's hard to remain consistent and committed to standards that other people are benefiting from and it seems like you're warring with. Your greatest fight is not with your younger sons. You're fighting with yourself because you have forgotten who you are. Pastor, if you can help me real quickly. However, I believe today God has ordained this defining moment to get someone's identity back. That for the first time this morning, if you are willing to be honest and real, I'm believing God to remove the blinders of your selfishness and pride. I believe in this moment, if you can be humble enough to embrace it, that God is going to remove the blinders from comparison that you will no longer have to suffer in the eyes of some younger son who was once considered dead. This day, God is going to restore someone's identity. If this is you, and you're sick and tired of drowning in your own anger and bitterness, if you're sick and tired of drowning in your own jealousy, inconsistencies, insecurities, because you see what other people are getting, and you're wondering, where am I going to get mine? When is my turn coming? When is the Lord going to look my way? Maybe by chance you got an ought with a brother, a father figure, a mentor, and you have been holding on to this unforgiveness because you're waiting for them to call you. You're waiting for them to reach out to you. And here you are in your pity party 
adding logs to the fire. And it's hard for you to give God what belongs to him because you are holding it for yourself, drowning in your own pity party. Nobody comes to wipe your tears. Nobody comes to rub your back. No one comes to say, I love you, I like you. But I want to encourage you that today the Father is here at the altar, not only here to restore you, redeem you, and resurrect you, but to remind you of who you are. Today, some of you, I'm praying that God gives you adoption, that is to be sons of God. But for others of you, I'm praying that God recalibrates your focus and gets you to understand that you were never not a son. And all you need to do is remind yourself of who you are. If this is you, and you are serious about breaking the barrier of emotional compromise, if you are serious about loosing yourself from the anger on your head, if you're, some of, ah, some of you have been suffering from mild headaches because of unnecessary stress. You have been going to doctors for migraine medicine. And God is saying this, it's because you continue to hold on to stress I tried to deliver you from. But you held on to it because of the emotional compromise. If this is you, you need to make your way to this altar. Now, if by chance you're in this room and you know... I hope you were blessed by that word. Now, as you go back to doing whatever you need to do, remember this. God loves you and we love you too. Let's stay connected. Visit us at hbcla.com.